Hello, I'm Clive Nash. Welcome to Let God Speak. Throughout history, we have noticed that when countries are invaded, the invaded country responds to defend its territory and defeat the enemy. This world has been invaded by the devil or Satan. Jesus Christ called Satan the ruler of this world. But Jesus came to our world to conquer the power of evil. He has gained the victory. The war is not yet over, but victory is certain. You and I are involved on one side or the other. Today, we will continue to examine the armour we need in our fight against sin. Follow along as our panel explores this theme. Well, on our panel today, we have Rosemary Malkovich and Christopher Peterson. Good to have you with us, Rosemary and Christopher. Thank you. I look forward to our discussion together. But before we get into that, let's take time to pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for this opportunity to be able to open the Bible. We thank you that it is the sword of the Spirit. And as we take it into our hands today, and as our viewers and our listeners share with us in this time together, we pray that your Spirit will be here. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we'll focus on a, a portion of Ephesians chapter 6 today. And uh, I'm going to read, first of all, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. Ephesians 6, 11, Paul uh, is speaking here and he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, Christopher, whom is, is Paul addressing here in this verse? Yeah, we actually get a bit of uh, clarity when we read verse 10. Verse 10 starts by saying, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So the brethren here is an inclusive term to refer to the church body. And it's not just... It's not just males. Yeah, that's right, for for everyone. Mm. But it's also not just necessarily for the church here in Ephesus. It includes us today. We are still part of that brethren. We're part of that body uh, of believers. And uh, verse 11 also gives a bit more of that inclusive feel. When it has this word in English, we read that you may be able to stand. We get, uh, we lose a little bit of clarity here in the English. In the Greek, the you here is not singular, but actually plural. So again, it's talking about a group or a body. Paul is referring to all believers. This is what they are to do. This instruction is relevant to everyone in the church body. Okay, and you can see that in the Greek. It's, it's, it's used in the plural form. Yes. Uh, as a lot of the European languages, in fact, still have that. You know, we've lost it in the English, haven't we? Mm. But a lot of the European languages still make a distinction between singular and plural in the second person pronoun. Mm. You know, uh, Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. Uh, to the Ephesians, and uh, he had been under Roman guards while being transported to Rome, of course. Um, So he would have been familiar with with the armour and the weapons of a Roman soldier. So, so Rosemary, when Paul wrote, put on the whole armour of God, what kind of battle is a Christian in? Well, let's first look at Ephesians 6 verse 12. And it says... 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we understand here from what Paul is saying that this is not a normal human war. This is a spiritual battle. This is the great controversy between good and evil, between Christ and Satan being waged in this world. And Paul here is opening that up for us to to remind us of that fact. We're not fighting against um, people that we normally do in a a war. Mm, It's It's not not like a hand-to-hand a battle, it's mind to no. mind in a way, it, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a spiritual battle. And, and we see in the news, there is evil around us all the time. And every day brings its more stabbings and car accidents and hit and runs and drunkenness and, yeah. and, and war. earthquakes and floods and war. Yeah. All these things. Every new day, there is more evil. And uh, we're trying to counteract that as Christians. Yeah. Um, Christopher, do you find it encouraging to know that we're not alone in this battle with evil? Definitely. As Rosemary was saying, the, the stakes of this battle are incredibly high. Uh, these, this is a battle for people's eternity. And so it is encouraging to know that this isn't a, a battle that we wage, you know, one-on-one uh, necessarily. It's something that we do together uh, as Christians. Paul, uh, earlier in this book, in Ephesians 3, verse 10, he says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So again, this emphasis on the church playing this role. Now, there's kind of two different types of church. We think, first of all, usually in our mind, we think of what's called the local church. So this is gatherings of believers, meeting in homes or in buildings. Um, And this has been across all of Christian history, small local churches. But then each of those local churches are part of what we call a a universal or global church. That is, they're part of this one body of Christ that goes across the whole world. So it's encouraging to know we have people on a local level that support us, but we're also part of a movement that spans across the whole globe. Mm, yeah. oh, it's sort of like part of the Catholic Church with a small C as, yes. a, as the church universal. Yes. Yeah. Um, besides giving the, the Christian church the, uh, the image of an army putting on the armour of God, what other metaphors did Paul use in writing to the Ephesians to describe the church? Okay, let's, he used several different ones. So let's have a look at Ephesians 1.22. And here he says, And he put thing, all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things in the church. And verse 23 said, Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So here he is using the metaphor that Christ is the head, Mm -hmm. the church is the body. So just as our physical bodies, the head controls what happens to the body, um, Christ is to control what happens with the church. Uh, Another one he uses is in chapter 2, verse 20 to 22. And there it says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets... Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together 
grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So here we can see he's saying that Jesus is the cornerstone or the the main stone of the building and the church, his people are the building itself. Here's the the foundation and we are the, the building that's built upon that foundation. So when you have a stable foundation, the building is stronger. And Jesus is that, that um, stable foundation for us. Yeah, and each of these metaphors kind of adds to the other, doesn't it, to give a, a bit of a rounder picture, you know, like you know, the bride and the, and the church, you know, mm. kind of the bridegroom kind of imagery as well. Mm. Um, so in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, 11, Paul puts, says to put on the whole armour of God, um, which will enable us to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now I'm going to read verse 13 now, Ephesians 6 and verse 13. Therefore take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So again, the, the Christian's armour enables one to take a stand. And this is a reference, of course, to, to battle language, you know, holding one's ground in the face of an enemy. So, so Christopher, what what is the, the first pieces of the Christian armour that Paul talks about here? Yeah, we read that in verse 14. The Bible says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So what I find interesting is um, these are very defensive pieces that you had taken to war. Uh, these are kind of necessities for your armor. Um, if you were to go into battle without a breastplate, that would be really putting a target uh, on yourself. I want to read as well just uh, an insight from the Andrews Study Bible. Uh, they read, they, it writes this, Christians will be victorious as they access these infallible weapons and support one another in the struggle. While portrayed as an army, The church's actual role is to proclaim the gospel of peace. And we get that in the next verse, which we'll discuss together as well, that all of these pieces of armor, they're to fight a battle that is, in essence, to wage peace. And we're going to, I guess, yeah, discuss that more as we continue reading. Okay, so he's talking here about truth. Which, uh, whose truth is it, Rosemary? Oh, that's an interesting question in today's society because we have those who say, well, you can have your truth, but let me have mine. Um, We have those who say that there is no such thing as absolute truth. It's all relative. (laughs) And yet that statement is making an absolute as, as truth. And so the statement itself is a lie because it's it's stating what they believe is an absolute truth, which they deny. The truth is God's. God's truth never changes. Um, humans' truth, we can change from one day to the next, change our minds, go a different direction. So this is God's truth. Um, Abraham, uh, sorry, um, Abraham Lincoln made a statement. He said, uh, the best way to combat lies is with the truth. And that's the same thing with the devil's lies the best way to combat it is to speak the truth. Don't play with the, the lies, just speak the truth. 
And God's truth is the belt that holds together everything else in the armour. It holds the gospel together. And ultimately, Jesus is the truth. Okay, and you're referring, of course, to John 14, where Jesus yes. said, I'm the way, the truth, truth and the life. And the life, yes. And also John 17, 17. Um, in Jesus' prayer. It, where, and yeah. Jesus says, thy word is truth. So, yeah, and we're to be sanctified that, through that truth. Jesus is the yeah. living word. Yeah, so um, this breastplate of righteousness is mentioned there in verse 14, Crystal. What can mm. you tell us about that? Well, it's very important to get in our minds what righteousness is this referring to and if this were referring to our own righteousness it'd be a a pretty weak kind of breastplate Um, (laughs) our righteousness can't really suffice it's insufficient to do things Um, in scripture we're told even our good works are like filthy rags so what we're depending on is Christ's righteousness Now, this isn't actually the only time that Paul refers to this image of a breastplate. He mentions it again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and in verse 8. It reads, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. So when he's describing this armor and describing specifically the piece of the breastplate, He talks about righteousness in Ephesians, and here in Thessalonians, he talks about faith and love. And I think what's important to recognize is each of these these items, righteousness, faith, love, they're all gifts that are divinely given by God to us. Um, And the other interesting thing is that uh, this word for armor here, in Ephesians is panoplia in the Greeks. That's the word that Paul himself would have written down. And it's where we get our English word panoply from. Not a word that we hear too often, a bit of a a more archaic word, but it it again means uh, armor. So we're really getting this image of armor and having to be ready uh, for battle at any time. Mm. Okay, so truth and righteousness, God's truth, God's righteousness. Um, now we come to our, our, the title of our discussion today, which is Waging Peace, which is a bit of a, uh, a contradiction in terms, isn't it? <laughs> well, you usually talk about waging yes. war, but you know, waging peace is, is quite an aggressive um, way of promoting peace. Uh, Visions 6 verse 15, let's read that um, as we continue on what Paul says here, Ephesians 6.15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So, Rosemary, does every soldier need good footwear? Well, just think of the soldiers back in the time of the Romans. Um, they had their footwear made of leather and nails and layers and layers. They had to withstand a lot of marching. They would march from one country to the next. They didn't have the transport we have today. It was footwork. And so they had to have very strong shoes. And so Paul's sort of drawing on this image. um, And the image also from Isaiah 52 verse 7, where it talks about how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of truth. And, And that's what, oh, the gospel of peace, that's what this is about because when the war is won, the messenger brings the news that the battle's over. 
and now we have peace. And that is a wonderful thought. With, with this, though, the person who is bringing the gospel is bringing peace to the people it talks there about um, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, bringing the truth to people so that they can have peace with God. And it's a, it's a beautiful thought, but Jesus did say he didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword because the truth actually divides. Those who want the truth are divided from those who do not, those who follow God, those who follow Satan. So we do have problems in this world. It's yeah. not all peace, but we can have peace in our hearts yeah, with God. Yeah, it's a bit of a conundrum, That's the isn't it? Thing. Uh, you know, we can have inner peace, as you say, yes. um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it won't have any trouble. No, that's right. In fact, yeah. it can, can cause more problems sometimes. Yeah, in fact, Paul mentions the word peace quite a few times in Ephesians. And if we skip down to verse 23, for example, we see one reference to it. Ephesians 6, verse 23, uh, peace to the brethren. So he is kind of sending a greeting to them. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so eight times, in fact, Paul highlights peace in, in this letter. Um, so why is Paul so interested in peace, Christopher? Yeah, well, one of the key aspects is this idea that before the gospel came, there was this tension and animosity between different people groups. Uh, specifically to the church in Ephesus, Paul is writing about there was no peace between the Jew and the non-Jew or the Gentile, but that through Christ, peace is now able to be here. So in Ephesians 2 verse 14, for example, uh, he writes, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. So Jesus, he comes, he enters in to history, he breaks down these barriers. And then in verse 17, again, it says, He came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who are near. So through Jesus, all peoples of the earth are reconciled back to God and they're able to be reconciled back to each other. So we have this restoration of peace um, with the divine and also with our fellow man. Mm. Yeah, when you talk about the Jew and the Gentile there in Ephesus, it just you know, makes me think about uh, Diana, you know, the mm. Ephesians, mm. and we read about in Acts, you know, there was quite an uproar, wasn't there? Yes. There wasn't much peace there no. uh, <laughs> in, in that situation. Um, so, Rosemary, what's, what's next on, on Paul's list of armour here? Okay, let's go to Ephesians six sixteen and 17. It says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Here we, we see this understanding of the shield of faith and it's able to quench the darts of the wicked one. The Roman shield was made of wood and leather and, and um, you know, hide. And if they had it wet it could put out the fiery arrows, the fiery darts of the enemy. It wouldn't burn if it was wet. And so, no, you can imagine Paul has this sort of thought in mind as he is describing this. Um, and we have to have faith in the Lord, not in ourselves, because if our faith is only ourselves, it will crumble. 
But if it's in the God who doesn't change, the God who loves us, the God trying to save us, um, our faith can grow stronger. It doesn't grow stronger, though, without being exercised. Mm. Let's look also at Ephesians 6.10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So our strength has to come from God. Our faith has to be in God for our faith to be strong. Uh, the power against the enemy has to come from God because we have none of our own. But he is willing to give it to us if we ask. Yeah, and as you were saying before, Christopher, it's, it's not something that we generate ourselves. It, mm-hmm. It's a gift from God, isn't it? Yes. This faith. You know, it's quite, quite vivid imagery to me. You know, you're taking this shield mm. of faith and fighting off the, the fiery darts of the wicked one. Mm. Uh, it's a wonderful imagery, I think. Um, so uh, what about this helmet then that's mentioned here, Paul, uh, by, uh, by Paul Christopher? Yeah. yeah, when again, when we think of armour and its usage, a helmet is to protect the head. And here it's connected with salvation. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 5, that verse we read earlier, Paul describes the helmet as the hope of salvation. And so it's very interesting of all the pieces of armour, When it came to salvation, he chose to add this description to the helmet. And I think it's because we need to be conscious and have a knowledge of that hope that we do have. It needs to be something that uh, not only changes our heart, but it needs to be a knowledge that we have in our mind. And without it, how can we have hope? So I think it's very appropriate that he says in order to defend the, our mind. We need this hope for salvation. Hmm. Okay, so um, a shield uh, is a defensive item of armour, um, and so is the helmet, really, isn't mm. it? You know, to mm. defend yourself. Mm. Um, you know, I'm a bit of a cricket fan, and uh, you know, I, I see that the, no one would go out to face those fiery darts of hard cricket balls <laughs> without a helmet on uh, no. to protect their, their heads. Um, But let's just uh, look again at verse 17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. As whereas the the shield and the helmet are defensive, the the sword is offensive. Mm -hmm. It's for going on the attack. So so how is the, the Holy Bible a sword for for the Christian, Rosemary? Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who has inspired the writing of the scriptures. Um, So in that sense, the Bible is the sword of the Holy Spirit. He inspired the Bible writers. Um, And then you think, too, that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth. And so then he is the one who helps us understand what he has inspired to be written. And, And Jesus when he was being tempted of Satan, said, it is written, he quoted scripture. And let's look at all of this in Second Peter 1, verses 20 and 21. It says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit who inspired men who'd listened to God to, to write what God wanted them to put mm. down and to tell what, the stories that God wanted them to tell. Yeah. The warnings, the blessings, it was all inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
So, Christopher, what does this um, imagery about the armour tell you about the battle we are engaged in? Well, it really just goes to show the, the seriousness of it, doesn't it? And also that we can't go into this battle without being prepared. Uh, we need all of these different components mm. in our Christian walk of life in order to be effective soldiers uh, in effect for this battle. Uh, I want to share a quote from uh, Andrew T. Lincoln. This is our second Lincoln for today. We had Abraham, <laughs> now Andrew. He says, as regards the church's role in the world, the readers are made aware that the opposition they run up against has at its source the supernatural powers of evil. The church's witness poses a threat to these powers by reminding them of their ultimate defeat. And so they attempt to retaliate with all the means at their disposal. It's such a profound statement because uh, he's drawing out that the battle has been won or victory has been won. Uh, Christ won that victory at the cross. We're still waging in the battle. The war is still going on, but we know what the outcome is. So our job or our responsibility is to go and wage peace mm. <laughs> where we can, yeah. to be uh, bringing people into God's kingdom so that they can enjoy that victory when it culminates at Christ's return. So it is a serious battle. Uh, it's one that we have to engage in as Christians. But as we've been talking about, it's not one that we do by ourselves. And it's not one that God says, all right, you go for it and I'm not going to help you. It's one where God equips and strengthens us to participate. Yeah, that's right. And then Rosemary Paul finishes off his section here by talking about prayer. Is there a place for prayer on the Christian's battlefield? Uh, let us read Ephesians six eighteen. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. He's got a lot of alls in there. <laughs> that means it, it includes everything, um, everyone. But the pagans would pray to their gods when they went to war. Um, other people who, who are what we would probably class as pagans today, they go to their deities and they pray to them. How much more should Christians be praying in the situation we're in today with this great controversy raging. And Paul saw it, prayer, as one of the mighty pieces of the armour, something that we had to be very specific about because he says, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, in other words, through the Holy Spirit, the Christian's warfare is one where we have to be praying always, always in that state mm. to pray to God. Well, as usual, time is against us. But thank you, Rosemary and, uh, and Christopher, for engaging in our discussion today. And uh, I'm Clive Nash. You know, we can be thankful that the message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ is inclusive. This good news is for you today. Jesus is still calling you and me to be strong in the Lord. Like St. Paul, we can speak boldly of the mystery of the gospel. No Roman soldier would dare to go into battle partly equipped, neither should we enter into the battle against evil poorly armed. Let us put on the whole armour of God. Well, we're glad you joined us today on Let God Speak. If you are blessed by this program, why not tell your friends? Remember, all past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website 3abnaustralia.org.au 
Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.